All right, folks, welcome back to the Coachful Coaching Leadership Podcast. This is David, and today I'm here with Sarita. Sarita, how's it going? Hey, hey, doing well. How are you, David? Good to see you. I am doing excellent today. It's a wonderful day. It's been uh, pretty hot the last few days, huh? I mean, I can't complain. I'll take the heat. You already know. I'm, I'm an island girl at heart, so sunshine, I'll take it all day, every day. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, well, let's talk about that. Um, how about you introduce yourself to everyone here? Yeah, sounds good. I'll be happy to. And by the way, David, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I think this is one of those things that at the end of the day, we must appreciate the time spent with each other. So thanks for having me on today. Looking forward to our conversation. Um, for those that I don't know yet, my name is Sarita Gordon-Tate. I lead a mid-market team currently at Sprout Social. Um, I have a plethora of experience when it comes to leadership, but more importantly, I've been in that SaaS tech world and tech space for the past Past, uh, about 15 years now. Uh, most important things for me are my children. I am a mother of two uh, and a wife to a lovely husband. And the important thing for me is always about paying forward. So looking forward to threading that into our conversation today, but also making sure that the next generation potentially has that opportunity to, you know, be that voice in the room and be that person. So thanks for having me again, David. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're going to hit on some of those things. You said pay it forward. You want to pay it forward, and and thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's why I people have asked me why I started this podcast. It is about sharing all this knowledge, and you know I I'm only so smart, so that's why I get people like you on the podcast to talk as well, so that we can pay it forward. It's in the public realm, and folks can learn from uh, folks like yourself. Uh, you brought up an interesting fact there. You love the heat, and I, I did ask you um, crazy and true fact about yourself. You said you speak three languages. You're from three different countries. What's that about? Yeah, it's uh, always a conversation starter. I try to throw it out as much as possible. I am. I was certainly blessed when it came to the upbringing that I had um, from a very, very young age. So I am Jamaican, uh, proud uh, Jamaican. Uh, but I was actually born in the United Kingdom, born in Nottingham, uh, big up to uh, Sherwood Forest, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, lived in three con on three continents. So, of course, in the UK, but Kenya, Switzerland and now Canada. Uh, I moved every sort of 10 to 12 years. Um, I was lucky enough that my father was actually working for the United Nations at the time. And he had to move with his role. And so we moved with him and it certainly created a bug for me. So I always say to, you know, my current organization as it stands right now, I say to Sprout Social, I say, listen, if you need somebody in Sprout Social Australia as we expand and as we grow, I'm happy to do so. Happy to provide my children with the experiences that I had. I oftentimes even pull my kids out of school sometimes and take them with me wherever I have to travel because mm. those experiences at the end of the day are way more than the traditional um, you know, education system, the learning about cultures, learning about people. And so for me, I'm grateful for my upbringing and I hope that I get the opportunity to give my children something very, very similar. What, what are the three languages you speak? <laughs> so the strongest one is English. Hopefully I'm coming across well in, <laughs> in this language. Um, but I also do speak French as well as Spanish. So okay. because of my upbringing in Europe and Switzerland specifically, you know, three languages is actually on the low end. A lot of people I know speak five and six languages. Uh, so yeah. just the three. <laughs> okay. Well, there's no threat from me, all right, <laughs> on, those, <laughs> on those next two languages. 
No, that's that's fun. And I, I guess have you ever done any like a business or 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 you know anything else like using Spanish and and French or is it primarily English? Yeah, no. So French, uh, you know, early in my career, and I still use it today. A lot of my girlfriends, a lot of my friends are actually from France. And so I continue that. My children are go to school in, in French as well. So sometimes I have to help them with their homework. So that that's more pressure than anything. That's more pressure than a business conversation. I'll tell you that uh, five and 10 year olds homework. It's a lot. Um, but yes, it's it's certainly afforded me the opportunity to have bilingual roles during my career more mm -hmm. on the French side than the Spanish side. The Spanish I use typically just when I'm traveling and, you know, ordering a cerveza. <laughs> I could help you with that, by the way. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'm sure that's come in handy uh, very often. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, cool. Thank you very much for sharing that, Sarita. I, I do want to also uh, ask you another question or a question you, you answer for me before this podcast is there anything you've changed your mind about lately or doubled down on? Yeah, uh, certainly. I think, you know, us coming out of the pandemic and the last sort of couple of years has been a lot of shape shifting, I think, for many, many people as they think about their career, they think about what they want to do with their lives and the importance of what is important actually in life. So for me, what I found is, you know, that I, I would say that I've more doubled down on lately or the area that I think is really, really important, not only personally, but also professionally, is the power of what I would refer to as a psychologically safe environment uh, when it comes to not only your immediate team, but also the leadership. And you're probably thinking like, what, what exactly do you mean when you say psychologically safe environment? Um, what I'm referring to is not underestimating really the impact that culture can have on someone's ability to yield success. Do I feel safe in my role, not only, you know, financially um, and within the role specifically, but more importantly, do I have people around me that I can go to? Should I have something going on in my personal life that I can reflect on and have conversations with these people? Do I feel that I'm in a space or a position where I am trusted, not only with the ideas perhaps that I'm bringing to the table, but also with what I am sharing? Perhaps it could be something that's more personal to me that I feel that, you know, it's not going to leave that particular room or perhaps it, mm. it will and it will help me engage with other areas of the business or other groups. So really that psychologically safe environment where, you know, you have that same feeling as a family, essentially, where you know that what happens within that or people within the organization and what's there really is a supporting factor in your life and something that you can lean on at a hundred percent and not just superficially. Does that, does that make sense? Am I, am that, I, <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. You, you, you mentioned a lot of things and, you know, quite frankly, if we had three hours, I think we could unpack all, all of those things. All are important. Like, you know, I'm talking to you about something. Is this going to leave the room? I've heard things come back around right, with some folks uh, as an example or, Hey, I, I don't want to bring up this idea because uh, I'm going to get chewed out. Yes. Simple as that. Right. Yes. Um, being in those environments in the past as well. Um, I guess what's what's making this important for you right now? You, you, you said you doubled down on this recently and changed your mind on it. What what's making it important for you right now? Yeah. Psychological absolutely. safety. Absolutely. I think for me, it's as my career continues to grow and I continue to see people just starting out early in their career and really almost feeling lost or seeing the in their face or in their conversations that, you know, they don't feel that level of safety or they don't feel that level of trust. 
perhaps within an organization or perhaps within a team. And so what sparked this for me was, interestingly enough, actually a project that my daughter came home with uh, from school one of these days, just before the, the summer holiday here. And it was about, you know, where do you feel safest? It was really a conversation about what does that mean for you? And for my daughter, it was, of course, with our family, which was great, right? Of course, you feel great when they write these things. It wasn't her friends, it was her family. And I started digging into that with her around, well, what does that mean? Why do you feel safe at home? What is it about home that makes you feel safe? And she really spoke a lot about being younger in age and feeling comforts with anything, the new things that are happening to her, changes that are happening to her. She knows that she can come to us for anything. Mm -hmm. So no matter what happens at school or any situations, she outright said, I know that I can come to you. I know that I can grow with you and come with you because you will have an answer and you'll help support me no matter how crazy my question is. And I started thinking to myself, I wonder if my team feels this way. I wonder if my team also has this mindset. And I realized that, you know, coming out of the pandemic where there were a lot of layoffs in the tech space, there were a lot of layoffs during the pandemic, after the pandemic, continue to happen right now, right? Continue mm -hmm. probably to happen into the future. And so I started asking my team, you know, where do you feel safe? Do you feel safe in our team meetings, in our conversations, in our one-on-ones? What does that look like to you? And over time, I've realized that sometimes they do feel safe, sometimes they don't. And my job as a leader is to make sure that I am that safekeeper, that almost umbrella, you know, shielding as much as possible and not magnifying really is where it came to. So kudos to my daughter for kind of making me think a little bit differently and outside the box, or I should say kudos to her teacher <laughs> for making her think a little bit about this. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that safe environment. It's um, I, I can relate to those challenges right now um, mm -hmm. as we speak is, is it's always in the back of people's minds right now. Um, and, and, you know, this happens in any industry and there's cycles in every industry. Um, but people feeling like, oh, is there something going to happen? Oh, something's a new announcement came out. It, does this mean something else? Yes. And you're trying to bring down the temperature. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I, I'm finding I'm spending a lot more time bringing the temperature down, calming nerves. And, you know, some folks there, that stories that you tell yourself are sometimes actually most of the time worse Oh, than yes. the actual reality. It's like, oh my God, this means X, <laughs> right? Like Dave said, the sky is blue. I disagree with him. It's kind of grayish outside. Oh my God. That's an exaggeration, obviously, right? But there's this, there's a lot of stories folks are telling themselves and, and rightfully so. I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. empathetic to it. Um, for some folks, they went through traumatic events, you know, and I mean, the worst day of someone's life is the, is the worst day of their life, whatever that might be. And we, we're not there to judge Absolutely. whether it's that bad or not, right? For them, it's, it was their worst day of their life, right? And so they're coming from that trauma in some ways, and they're looking through that lens right now. Uh, a lot of folks still are. Uh, it's easy to say. I've, I've had leadership say, oh, just move on. <laughs> How? How is the question? <laughs> yeah, just just do it, right? And And that's... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that's, uh, it is what it is, right? For some folks, I, I just know the buck stops with me and I'm, I'm going to do my best. And there's the, I struggle, you know, mm -hmm. with myself as included, not, not just my, my people. And I, but I, I tell them, I go, I worry just as much as you do. Right. I love and, that. And it, I love that. Yeah. It I makes a difference. Right. It's so, so important that we as leaders also need to remind ourselves to be vulnerable with our teams. Like there is nobody that's perfect all the time that, you know, can go through these things and just be like, everything is fine. So 
Yeah. Kudos yeah. to you yeah. as just, well. Just, just get back to it, Sarita. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> just do it. Just get everything's back. fine. <laughs> oh, everything's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, all right. Well, on that note, talking about paying it forward today, uh, let's, let's talk about Sarita. Uh, so obviously, you talk about culture. You talk about psychological safety. Um, let's talk about you in some mm-hmm. of your early years, some, some key events or experiences that shaped who you are today. So when I asked you that key events and experiences, it could be work, could be just personal life. What do you think about that's shaped who you are today? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say how old I am. That's going to give it away, you know, but you know, <laughs> oh, if I could share a side story, you know, like my, my daughter had this assignment, exactly the same thing. It's like, Oh, I, my family's like this. I, feel safe in this environment. And then my daddy is X years old. And she said, 25. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I put that on the fridge that night. I circled it with the red pen. I made sure I took a photo. I shared it with my family. Yeah. I'll Love leave it. it at that. Love it. I think that was I've awesome. Been, I think I've been celebrating my 25th birthday for over a decade or so. <laughs> I've, I've had a few anniversaries of that. So. <laughs> right? I mean, why not? Your age, it's, it's just about, it's about how you feel, not about the number. It's just a number, right? Well, no. well it, it is. Well, someone said to me recently that when, if you have something to look forward to, if you're always looking towards the future in some way and yes. something to look forward to, you, you are young psychologically, even if not um, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Once you start reminiscing on the past only, then you're old. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, I know a few people like that in the latter category, right? All they talk about is the past. You know, my, my good old days when I was in college playing, how things used to be, how things used to be. And, and we got to be careful. We don't fall in that trap as well. Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. That certainly resonates with me. I love the story. Sorry, sorry, Sarita. Back to you. (laughs) Key events and experiences in your life that shaped who you are? Yes. Um, I'll pinpoint one. Let me tell a story. I think it'll be great um, at this point to maybe share a little insight as to one particular experience that was certainly eye-opening to me. Um, There'll probably be one or two stories in this, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with the flow here. So in my younger years, as we moved from Kenya to Switzerland, um, that was an experience of going from being the majority and, you know, understanding that I'm a black woman, of course, um, and black woman in tech for that matter. But at the time, you know, younger experiences, just a kid, not knowing nor understanding what it comes to when it comes to things like race and things like racism and things like discrimination. And, you know, you're learning as you go and you're figuring things out as you go. You have these conversations, of course, with your parents as an immigrant. It's a very common conversation within the household. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you, you can relate, David. Mm-hmm. And as we moved from Kenya to Switzerland, it suddenly dawned on me what exactly what race I was. Right. You're going from being black in a majority black country. You are yep. the majority to now moving to Switzerland where, wow, like, girl, you are black, black. You're black. <laughs> And suddenly you are the minority. So you start to realize and understand these stories, these conversations, these things that your parents are telling you that you've grown up with, that you, you know, understand the concept, but never actually had those experiences happen to you personally. 
that you now start to realize that you have to move in a different way. Understanding that that from a young age, and then we're talking around 10, 11, uh, where now started realizing that I know that I have to potentially work harder than my counterpart. I know that I'm going to have to put in a little bit more effort and a little bit more work to quote unquote fit in or stand out for whatever reason and make sure that I understand that my work can certainly speak for what it needs to speak for. And so that was a big thing. The move, the move, constant moving, seeing different cultures played a huge part on I will always potentially be one of the only in any given room. And with that comes great responsibility, essentially. Of mm-hmm. How do I make sure that I am seen and heard in a way that under that is not not, you know, being part of the what the majority does, but standing out because that's also my superpower. It's also knowing that because my background is different, because I am different, that's actually um, a pro. That's actually great. That's actually something I should lean in on as much as possible. So that was one thing that was, I would say, early in my just personal life that, you know, shaped me. And then as I grew in my career, North American, now I'm now, you know, years later now moving to Canada, you know, great melting pot of cultures. Absolutely. It's a great place to live and a great place to work. And then, you know, you now you enter now you enter corporate North America. Right. (laughs) So new world for me, new space, new culture, new beginnings. And I'll tell you a story about, you know, one of my first on-site visits in the sales world. So, you know, being an account executive for many, many years, did the individual contributor piece, worked in property management software, tax and accounting software. And then on my first on-site, right, you know, young, early 20s, you know, going on-site to visit a customer. And, you know, I start the day off as I would prepared to go to this conversation being prepped by my leader, being prepped by my manager, I know what I'm going in that conversation to say and what I'm going to be doing. I, you know, leave my hotel room ready to go and step up to the client, get in the Uber. Uh, actually, at that time, I believe it was actually a taxi. I'm saying Uber, but I feel like it was a taxi at that time. Yeah, yeah I think you've been around a bit, a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, you know, default is Uber now, but pre Uber. You, know, you had to like hail a taxi down or ask the hotel to get you a taxi, right? <laughs> <laughs> Through your dial-up phone. Yes, yes. The, <laughs> the rotary, yeah. Why yeah. is there so many zeros? <laughs> and step up into the into the client, meet the receptionist and say, listen, I'm Sarita. I'm coming here to speak with so-and-so with the C-level suite. I look to my right. Of course, I see the board of directors, a photo of the board of directors. Of course, nobody looks like me. I'm used to this. This is, you know, it's a standard um, as it stands for me, especially at, at, the, at that time. I walk into the room, I prepare the room for the meeting, putting the books down, the notebooks down, the pens down, ready to go, get my slides ready to go, PowerPoint presentation at that time, ready to go for this meeting. And finally, the CEO of the company walks in, who I've been pretty much stalking, trying to get the conversation going with this gentleman. And I, he walks into the room, he looks at me, and the first thing he says to me is, I'll take my coffee with two milk, please. So he immediately assumed that I was there to take his coffee order, mm-hmm. that I was essentially, quote unquote, the help, and that I am that person that that I wasn't, you know, running this meeting. You know, I froze. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. You know, it's one of those moments where, in hindsight, I had many comebacks, right? I had all of my comebacks of how I was going to handle the situation. But I realized from there that, you know, there's going to be many, many times where I'm going to be the only person in the room that's going to be a woman, a woman of color, especially in the tech space and in the SaaS space. 
So how do I now make sure that those experiences don't happen again, not only to me, but to others that are starting their career now? They're early in their career, just starting out, maybe going on their first meeting today. And how do I make sure that I can be that person that they can call in that situation or lean on and say, hey, I don't know what to do or what to say if I fall into a situation like this. So those two are pretty big life experiences that have made Mm -hmm. me reflect on, you know, how I want to lead, uh, how I want to be as a leader and how I want to make sure that people are just comfortable knowing and understanding that even if you are the only in the room, that I can prepare them for how to handle these particular situations. So knowing what you know now, if you had, if you were in that situation again, how would you advise someone to handle that situation? Yeah. So first thing, first things first is to acknowledge and state who you are and what you're doing there. Right. I think, you know, it can be embarrassing for also the person on the other end who had that assumption. Right. You know, it's embarrassing for me. You know, I wanted the the ground to open up. I was like, I need to get out of here. You know, I just kind of stumbled over my words, didn't know what to say. Versus now would be like, well, actually, I also take my coffee with milk or I actually take my coffee black. Is there anybody that can help us? Right. That would have been my immediate comeback. But in these kind of situations, I feel like killing people with kindness is also a really, really easy way to get around these situations of I can understand potentially where the confusion might be. I know that we've never met before, but actually, you know, my name is and then go into, you know, who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Leading with kindness, um, yes. it it diffuses a lot of situations. It um, it gives the other person an opportunity to think, yes, for the next time. Whereas <laughs> if um, you know, I, I think my as a young kid, it would have been if I was in a similar situation, it would have been like, you know, they'll probably be wearing their coffee, right? <clears throat> I'll <laughs> give you some coffee. <laughs> Would you like sugar with that? No, 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 no. And also, I wouldn't have done that. But it's it certainly would not have been a mature response in my younger years. Um, but you know, nowadays, like responding with kindness, just being smooth, going yeah. with the flow, and giving them benefit of the doubt. Like, look, yeah, that that was not a good assumption, but maybe they'll learn something from it if I approach it with kindness versus aggression. Yes, right. And um, but it's a uh, yeah. I, uh, this is about you today. So, but I, I have stories to share as well in, in, uh, in, in a different context. Right. But that's, um, that's when we, when we meet for wine later on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beer and wine right after this. Oh, good. I, luckily I blocked off my whole day. Uh, Serena, uh, we will, we won't do that. Um, so when you think about these, like just back to these experiences early and you, you're saying you want to pay it forward. You want to teach the new emerging leaders, up and coming, how to handle these type of things. Talk yes. about that. Like you're in leadership right now. Yes. Let's, let's move to present day. Mm-hmm. How are you empowering and teaching future leaders, current leaders, how to, how to show up? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. And it's something I strive to do on a regular daily, weekly, monthly basis. I'm still working on it. Right. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's not, no, no, nothing perfect. But a couple of things that I try to do on a regular basis is at least once a month, I have a one hour set aside for two 30 minute conversations with students who have just finished university um, or maybe just starting in a, you know, let's say an SDR or BDR role in whatever SaaS environment, whatever organization, not necessarily within Sprout Social where I am, 
but also externally. This is an important piece for me because I think about that mentorship style of conversation of, hey, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to about what you're currently experiencing and you maybe need a little bit of advice. So I try to pay it forward that way of blocking out that one hour, whether that's finding somebody on LinkedIn or if somebody reached out to me already on LinkedIn, I'll actively respond and let them know, like, let's meet, let's grab a coffee, whether that's in person or virtually, which you'd be surprised at the impact you can have of just an hour a month, right? I'm talking just two 30 minute conversations. Sometimes it boils into additional conversations afterwards. Sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, I know that I've taken some time out of my day to hopefully help and show somebody the ropes of, hey, why don't you try this? How have you tried to do this? And what does that look like? So that's one thing that I think is really important and an easy tactical thing that anybody can do. Right. I, I also love to talk to my team a lot about, you know, sometimes they say to me, oh, I'm just an account executive, you know, even though they've been doing this for, you know, sometimes five plus seven plus years. And they say, I'm just an account executive. Like, who can I mentor? What? I'm not a leader yet. And it's funny because we work with, for example, BDRs all the time with business development reps. And I say to my team, do you know that you can be a mentor and or a sponsor to these people who are also just starting out their career? You were that person seven, 10 years ago. And you can have a crazy impact on these people if you just took the time to just have a conversation, show some guidance and talk through with them. So I try to empower my team as well to think similarly of how can I maybe help somebody who is just starting out in their career uh, and maybe somebody who doesn't look like me, right? Let's try and flip mm -hmm. the script a little bit. Don't just look for somebody who went to the same university as you and you've got lots of friends in common and you guys golfed over the weekend and you had like all that. That's great. But what's that person that is completely outside of the box for you? You know, maybe you know nothing about their background, where they came from, what they do. Have Strike up a conversation. See what happens. You'll be surprised at what you can learn from these people. But most importantly, of course, what they're going to learn from you. So twofold, it's me personally in that one hour and then empowering my team to try to spread it out and spread the wealth across. Hmm. It, it's, it's so powerful. Um... I, I think sometimes we, we underestimate like how, how much um, self-doubt follows us um, mm -hmm. throughout our careers, no matter how much experience we have. And it, it shows up in different forms. For some folks, it shows up as, you know, I'm oversimplifying this, Sarita, but it shows up as uh, they, they won't speak up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For some, some folks I've seen, they will speak up too much, right? <laughs> And, 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 you know, I, I, I'm making this, you know, zero or one, but those are two simple examples. And, but either case, it is a lack of confidence that drives them to do either of those things. And I, I found like you, like you talk about mentoring. I, I love doing that. Mm -hmm. And the, to, to the folks who think, oh, I have nothing to offer. Mm -hmm. It's the thing you have to offer is just listening yes. and asking a simple question. What's important to you right now? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And listen, and if you have something to offer at that moment, advice, then you offer it. But yeah. it's not about you spewing and talking <laughs> about, here's the five <laughs> things you need to do today, Sarita. You know, like, but you know nothing about me. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, so when, when you think about your leadership right now, um, you know, if you were to reflect on uh, one of the things I, I, I love to do as well is to sh share not success, but mm -hmm. where I, where I've fallen down. Yeah. Right. And where, and it's just the relatability, like, Hey, you, you feel this way. I felt this way probably five to 10 more times before you felt it 
this one time, yes. right? And you're going to keep feeling it, but it gets better. And so I guess when you think about your setbacks, your failures, and this could be both personal or work-related, what comes to mind and where do, where do you like to share lessons to other people? Yeah, yeah, no, this is a really good question because I actually had a very similar conversation with um, uh, a BDR that I'm currently mentoring right now. Very interested, this person is very interested in not sales, but uh, CSM, that customer success manager role. And, you know, uh, during the conversation today, she mentioned that she feels like she's been set back because she thought she wanted to go into sales and then she actually ended up wanting to go into the customer success. And I started asking her, well, why do you think that this is a setback? What about this is a setback for you if you were additional year or two years in the BDR world to then go into maybe that CSM world? And she didn't actually have an answer. And I think during that conversation, she started to realize that what we perceive as setbacks, because we're in a role for longer than we thought we were going to be in a role <clears throat> or doing something a little bit. Two years, Sarita, two years. So long. It's a very long time. <laughs> I, w I, w I, w I would love to be two years in this role that I'm in right now. I would love that, right? Let's do it. Yeah. The longer I'm in a role, to a certain extent, the better it is, the more learnings you have. So when I think about like those quote unquote setbacks or those areas of improvement or those things that could happen, I always remind myself that these are the areas that are actually growth does not happen without these quote unquote setbacks. Growth does not happen without some sort of opportunity for us to learn and for us to understand how we can do better. Maybe the next time around that this comes or the next time around we have a situation like this. So my response to her in response to her you know, no answer essentially about, you know, I, I don't have a response was, well, what have you learned since the last year now that you've been in this BDR world? And how can you now use this to what I refer to as controlling your controllables? Because at the end of the day, we don't have control over actually what our next job is going to be, who's going to hire her, all of that. If the earth is going to stop rotating, all the whatever randomness that could happen that, you know, COVID's going to happen again. We don't oh, please no, please no on that one. <laughs> but we have no control, right? So we cannot fear these things or worry about these things that could be potential setbacks. It's more about what have I learned? What can I grow from here? And how can I now put into place those controllables so that if this does happen again, I know exactly how I'm going to react. I know exactly what I'm going to do with this. And I know what I've learned. So not really setbacks, but just growing and learning areas of opportunity <clears throat> to grow and learn. Yeah, I, I think that's an important lesson is there's always a perception that I got to move, you know, from small business to a mid-market to an enterprise. And that's the pinnacle of my career. Oh my God. And, and by the way, I all these to... things are just made up, right? Like all of these titles. <laughs> they're they're just they're just made up. It's just a number, right? It's just yes. a number and there's a perception. And, 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 you know, wisdom comes with time and learning, right? Yes. Time experiences and learning from those experiences. And I think you, you realize like it, it, it's just a number. It's just the title. It doesn't really matter. No one really, really cares, no you know, way. whether you sold into a three person company or, th you know, 300,000 person company, no one cares. Yeah. You know, um, people really want, want to under what they want to understand is the richness of your experiences, Sarita. Yes. And how can you mentor the next generation? How you can help me? I don't care what you did. Yes. Honestly, I really don't. It's like, what's your experiences? What you yeah. learn from that? And that's more valuable than anything else.
So. People people won't remember what you sold. You probably won't even remember what you sold either. But they will remember how you treated them and what they learned from you. Those are the things that people, when you're thinking about your next role and what's going to happen next, those are the things that are important. And you know, being in hiring roles now for the past like five six years, I think about that's what I'm looking for. What did you learn? Right? <laughs> how do people perceive you? What are other people saying about you when you're not in the room? Mm-hmm. So can we transition to something you, you mentioned earlier? You, mm-hmm. you talked about when you moved from Kenya to Switzerland, that was your first time you realized, <laughs> mommy, nobody looks like me here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have stories to share for myself there too. But uh, hey, nobody looks like me here. Um, can you talk about more about that experience now? Yeah. And, and, and you know, what, what do you see right now? What, what have you personally experienced? And, you know, what do you see the opportunity to be? Yeah. What I see right now is uh, through the lens of my kids, right? Because th- that stuff now does not bother me. Um, Culture-wise, you know, I differently to maybe other people, right? Our Thanksgiving, for example, in Canada here, you know, most people do the turkey, do all of that, do like the stuffing. We're Jamaican. So it's more you're jerking the turkey or jerking chicken more than turkey, right? You're eating oxtail. Like it's about the food part, yes, which I think that resonates for everybody. But we bring our own spice and flavor and culture to the experience because Mm -hmm. that is what I want my kids to remember Thanksgiving being. It's about the people that you're with and uh, the food that you're eating. Yes, of course, the experiences. So through the lens of my daughter, um, you know, she's very lucky that her school is very mixed in terms of culture, backgrounds, etc. But there's still, you know, there's we're still a minority at the end of the day. It is what it is. And so for me, what I'm seeing more is the acceptance and of other cultures, but more importantly, the ability to remember that you have your own culture and your kids will probably have a different culture to what you're bringing to. They are Canadian. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. And I am an immigrant to Canada, but they only know Canada. They know the experiences that I share with them, but they're going to have a different perspective as well on culture. So what's op- eye-opening to me now is seeing how less and less, how more more blurred the lines are becoming between what's defined as what one race is versus one culture versus one whatever. And who you are is actually encompassed and made up of, you know, similar thoughts about how do I f- leave feeling the room with these particular people? And those are the people that I, that I stick with. And those are the people that I, that I will continue to, to be a part of my life. Mm. Okay. So Sarita, Talk to me more about um, Bold Force, which you used to be a part of in your previous organization. And Bold Force, I believe it stands for Black Organization for Leadership and Development. What made that important for you? And how do you think it's important moving forward? Yeah, um, thanks for this question. Um, I wanted to make sure as well to to shout out those that are still currently at Bold Force and those that are continuing to carry the flame because it's such an important initiative. I think no matter what organization you are, whether you have employee resource groups, community resource groups, you know, the name changes depending company to company. But the whole idea behind it is that making sure that there's a community or a space for people who fall into 
whatever category that may be. In this case, this was for the Black community uh, within uh, within the organization and making sure that they have a space, not just for a community, right? Making sure they have people, they can find the people that look like them and they can have that conversation with them and talk through with them around, hey, you know, like, let's talk this out. Like I had this particular experience. Did you, have you experienced anything similar? But also that there's that mentorship style of introductions to leaders, introductions to executives, so people know who you are. But more importantly, I think about it as that interpretation or translation of maybe somebody who has a different background, has a different culture and understands things one way and needs to, you know, understand about how I can translate what I want from this organization, what I need from my role into corporate America speak of how that would look like in the corporate world and corporate mm-hmm. space. So there's lots of different different types of groups like this. There's, you know, things like women's network. Uh, there is uh, groups for the LGBTQ2 plus community. You name it, there's probably some sort of community associated or at least the company you work with should have, right? And perhaps that's part of your values when you're looking for a company or looking for a role. But for me, it's about, I lean back on the whole notion of paying it forward. This was a great space and a great way to pay it forward, to make sure that I was making sure that that black woman in tech that just started as an SDR knows that they can, she can come to me and have a conversation with me. And I've been through what she's been through and I can talk her off the ledge, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. So paying it forward in one way or another is, it seems like to be a theme of our (laughs) chat today. So when you think about for yourself, how do you continue to find purpose? Yes. What comes to mind? Yeah, that's a tough question uh, because purpose, you know, can change over time, changes before and after children, changes as kids grow, changes as your job title changes as well. But for me, it's really rooted in who am I as a person? And from those experiences, how can I make sure that others have a easier path forward or a better empowered path forward. And so I rooted in my children, essentially, because I want them to, when they do enter the workspace, if they decide to go down the corporate space, to feel empowered, to know and understand, hey, I know what to do if this particular situation comes up. My mom used to tell me all the time about how <laughs> about how I would be in these situations. And so now I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I can handle those and tackle those. But more importantly, I also want to make sure that, you know, our organizations, corporate worlds need to start reflecting a lot more the world that we live in. You know, earlier I said that the lines are starting to be blurred between, you know, what's black, what's white, what's this, what's that. The lines are beginning to become more and more blurred culturally, color wise, whatever way you want to put it. And so for me, it's we all know that the corporate space, that executive space, especially that um, uh, board of directors doesn't reflect for the most part, typically what the world looks like or what that space looks like. Toronto, for example, is very multicultural. You can eat full one day, you can eat sushi the next, and then you can eat your jerk chicken the next. Like you, you, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of background or that you toss them all together in one salad bowl. Right. And there'll be some, it'll be some fancy fusion. (laughs) That's that's what a lot of the Michelin stars are now. I'm telling you, this sounds like a great, I feel like I've come up with this great, great next restaurant. Sushi actually. (laughs) That'd be an interesting poke bowl. Yeah. Let's do it. A jerk poke bowl. I would definitely. I I, I would down for that. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but yes, I think it's just making sure that, you know, why shouldn't the corporate world reflect how the world looks like today? And the more and more that we can use these spaces, use these times to pay it forward and try to have that, that it can reflect it. That's my purpose. That's my goal. That is ultimately what I would love to see if I could look back on my corporate lifetime and say, hey, I made a couple of changes here. I managed to make some changes and have some sort of impact. And this is what the world looks like now. Then I would know that I, I would feel success. Oh, that's wonderful. That's that's wonderful image, Sarita. So given that and everything we talked about today, if you had to go back in time to the 20 year old Sarita oh and gosh. give her advice, <laughs> what would you tell her? Ooh, so many things. So, so many things. Um, well, first of all, I'd have like a lot less, a lot less wrinkles, a lot less gray hair. I do dye my hair. So, you know, um, <laughs> um, I mean, hair would be one thing I, you know, I'd call that out. Um, wear your hair, wear your crown, do what you need to do for yourself, bring your full self. You don't have to, you know, we call it code switching. You don't have to be a different person in the office than you are in your home. You know, um, I only, you know, in the last five years have I had the opportunity to actually blend those worlds together, I would say, where I've more started bringing those two worlds together and saying, hey, I'm I'm no different. You see me, you know, when I'm standing in Walmart with my kids, I'll be the same person when I'm standing in a room full of C-level executives. I'm the same person. Nothing changes for me. And so I would say to myself, bring your full self every single time because it is more difficult to try to be somebody else or pretend to be something else all day, every day, than just bringing your full self. If people don't like it, that's their business, nothing to do with you. You move mm -hmm. on to the next. So number one thing I'd call out is bring yourself uh, to work each and every single day. Advocate for yourself is the second thing I would say, because nobody's gonna care as much about your career as you do. So you need to make sure that you are controlling your controllables and advocating in terms of having that brag book, having that, uh, um, that order of things that you've done, how you've done it, achievements that you've had. You can't re rely on total recall to remember the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So make sure you're writing it down. Um, and then thirdly, which is my, um, you know, my motto um, when I'm looking at roles or looking at organizations or looking at places to go, make sure that you are falling in, that the company that you're looking at falls into three things. Am I learning? Am I earning? And am I having fun? You'll find that as long as there, you know, at least two of those things, but strive for three of those things are happening, that you will find your successes and they will come to you as long as you're leading in there. So yeah, that's Thank what you. I would say to myself. <laughs> Learning, earning, and fun. Yes. I, I am going to steal that one. <laughs> please do. Please do. I think I stole it as well from someone. So <laughs> It's okay. We, we're paying it forward. <laughs> yes. Also known as plagiarism, but it's all good. <laughs> It works. <laughs> uh, I always leave the last question to my guest to ask me. Ooh. So any question you want to ask me, I might have to edit this out because I wouldn't know the answer. <laughs> um, but what's your question to me? That's a good one. I think um, I have a couple of questions for you, which we'll talk about afterwards. We'll, we, we said we're getting wine and beer. We already talked about this. So that, that's, that'll happen on the side. Um, I'm holding it to it. So be careful. Be careful. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I would ask you, you know, I, I want to talk to you about 
your next five years because I've loved watching your career growth, your trajectory. You know, we've worked together for a number of years. We've also worked together, um, you know, in same teams, then different teams, etc. And so what what's happening for you, David, in the next five years? And what things are you putting into place right now to prepare you for those next five years that maybe I can yeah. steal as I think about my career? <clears throat> yeah. So I guess there's a couple things that um, I've been evolving my thinking about. Right. And, and, and let me tell you where it, it goes, it extends beyond the five year mark. Right. Uh, dare I say, even, uh, you know, you're, you're going to sort of know my age, like within the next 20 years. Right. And, and the reason why it's so far out is, um, I think about what am I going to do beyond this, this job? This is just one, one of my stops in, in, in my, in my career, in my life. Right. And, and retirement is not so much a destination. It's, it's another transition point. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen too many people, friends, family, um, acquaintances who suddenly have the shut off switch at 65 or whatever that age is. Mm-hmm. And you see a deterioration, right? Both cognitively, physically, um, they start talking about the past more than they are about the future. And I've, I know I don't want to be that. Now that could happen at any age, not just 65, it's 60, 50, even, you know, 40s, 30s. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've strived not to do that. So one of the things I've committed to myself is I'm going to make sure I prepared, not just for what I'm doing today, but where my passions are might evolve to later. Mm -hmm. One of my passions that go very well with leadership is coaching. Right. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about mentorship and coaching. Uh, I I really believe that leaders need to be trained in coaching Mm -hmm. and not just the, you know, some of the rinky dink stuff you get in some, uh, uh, you know, here's the grow model and oh, you'll take, you know, two hours of classes and suddenly you're, you're great ta-da! at coaching. Ta-da, you're a great coach. And, you know, um, psychologically safe, everything's good. You know, all good now. You know, I clicked a few things on a, on a test. No, I, I'm really passionate about that. I am working towards, um, you know, official ICF certification in coaching. Nice. Um, I want to be a, you know, a professional certified coach within the next uh, year and a half. Right. That is, that is my goal. And I don't know where that's going to bring me. I'm not going to set up my own business right now, but there's, I know that's going to be my next evolution of wherever I'm going to go. Right. But right now, what I can say, it's making me a better leader. That's why I can say within the next five years by pursuing coaching, right. Truly learning coaching, not just a rinky dink, you know, two day course in in, in your, your company. Mm -hmm. It is like six, months to a year of intense learning that is going to set me up for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Whatever it might be. And so that's one thing I would encourage folks to think about just what's the next thing. If you look around the next corner, what's going to set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it's coaching makes me a better leader. And if that's something I do later on as a peer play, that's fine. Right. But uh, for now, I'm having fun. I'm learning, I'm earning, and I'm having fun. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Please, like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, to watch your career growth. I'm excited to watch this new phase and this newfound thoughts as well. Um, please keep me in the loop. If you, you know, think of anything, any opportunities, anything that you're thinking about, like loop me in. We never know where our paths would cross again in terms of network, in terms of opportunities. I'm here for it. Um, yeah. 
Well, Sarita, it was a great time with you today. <laughs> I, it, time just flew. So it flew by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And look, uh, once we shut off this camera, we'll we'll grab a beer and wine. Yes, I'm holding you to it. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sarita. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>